never prolific, but he was always more than that just about his goals. You know, wasn't embarrassed with the ball at his feet. Very accomplished player. Maybe even a touch underrated. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Welcome along. Football show is coming at you. Dan McDonald here in the studio. Hello, Dan. It's been a while. Do you know, I was going to say I hadn't seen you in a while, but that actually wouldn't be strictly true because uh, I saw you doing a bit of acting in a Just Eat, uh, John O'Shea. Uh, bit of promotional video there. Me? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you didn't. Yeah, I saw Joe, Joe Malloy and Eileen Dunn. <laughs> Do you share the same agent? <laughs> I kind of wonder how that guest list comes together. <laughs> so it's sort of a seven, eight minute clip. It's a humorous video. John O'Shea, not Megan. Like I'm watching it along. I think this is quite amusing. I'm like, oh, here's a here's a talking head. <laughs> here's a talking head. I recognise. I didn't I have to say I didn't have you down as a method actor, but you really seem to sort of just invite. You actually just became a professional satirical talking head. It was. It was some good stuff. Did you think it was okay? I thought it was good. I liked the backdrop of the room you're in. It was a nice setting. Oh, very fancy setting. Was that where was that? Is that a home? No. I thought it was your dra- <laughs> <laughs> thought it was your drawing room. My office out the back <laughs> in the shed, you know. It so was, did you be uh, Eileen Dawn and the rest of them or were no, you no, all, no. you recorded on separate days? Oh very separate days. Was big operation. Yeah. Big operation. How far do you reckon you were down the list? Um high enough up the list? Yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> pretty high. You got the call, it's yeah. Pretty high. That's some, some good, some good, some good stuff, you know. Yeah, I think the director think you, is an off the ball fan. You've got a bit of range. Thanks, Tan. Yeah, I was expecting more of a massacre there on your part, but um, oh. are we done with that now? If people don't know what Dan's talking about, uh, Just Eat have done a spoof, John O'Shea along the lines of the Last Dance, to mark the twentieth anniversary. Twentieth anniversary. Twentieth anniversary of his nutmeg and Louis Figo. So there's a whole narrative about you know it being the most revered moment in the history of sport and then it went to John's head a touch and he went off and made Space John which he always wanted to do creatively that was one of the best (laughs) 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 and uh, I mean Shea Given puts in an Oscar worthy performance Shea Given was like uh, like Roy Keane dressed up in the Walker's Crisp ad back in the day style gig like and I know for a fact they did like give him drops for his eye for the bit where he said can we just pause because he was recounting. I feel he her. was given better lines than you. No, uh, I think to be fair, I need they, they needed someone to anchor it in a certain kind of reality tone. Yeah, yeah. That, like to, the, for the conceit to work, it couldn't be ridiculous. God, yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. It was only last night. I don't know. You you were probably in here. So I think it's a repeat, but there was like a Saipan documentary on RT last night. But part of the premise of it is this spoof of if Ireland, if Roy Keane had played in the World Cup in 2002 there was commentary of Ireland playing Brazil in the final of the World Cup it was far too sober in its tone like if Ireland had played Brazil in the final in 2002 in the World Cup it wouldn't have been as as sensible as it was laid out I think it probably did mark the moment that all concerned you and I included realised there's no new angle on Saipan there's, like there's nothing more to go I, I still watch it done. though did you? I watched, I watched it I mean yeah I don't know why yeah, so uh, yeah, they gave given them um, eye drops for that scene where he's crying because uh, he saved a penalty on John in training and then John didn't talk to him for 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just stop it there? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of funny stuff in it. It was really good because when I was asked to do it, I thought, uh, yeah, is this going to work? But then you were like, how much? No, 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 it, it worked. When, <laughs> I, when I, I spoke to 
Lorcan, who's the, the genius behind it all, oh, yeah. uh, once he told me like the extent that they were going for it, I was like, okay, well, that actually should be pretty funny. Yeah, you were like, oh, I, I like this. Yeah, because when I when I was doing my day, you get presented with a script and like what your lines. Would no, be. it was much looser. He was interviewing me like it was weird at one stage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so he was like, it was just very odd because he was saying, you know, he'd ask me questions like, and what about you know when it went to O'Shea's head after the nutmeg? What, 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 what do you remember about that period? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, well. Obviously, my initial response is I don't remember anything because it didn't happen. But for the purposes of this conversation, and then you just start riffing a bit, and then they, yeah. <laughs> then you got on board with it. I remember years back, I was asked this is completely off topic. Years back, I was asked in to do I think TV three as it was at the time. Yeah. We're doing like something on the most shocking moments in sport history, mm-hmm. and I was like, did the hundred meter final in nineteen eighty eight and Seoul come up? And I'm sort of answering questions on this very much in that style of. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. And I was thinking, you know, I was five at the time, you know, I don't really recall this very well, but, you know, you just have to get on board with the, uh, yeah. get on board with the role. And I think you did. Yeah. There's could be more that coming your way. It was uh, a lot of fun though. I mean, it was like a lot of laughs. And I thought at the end, the most charming bit is when they break out from the conceit that this is somehow true and Given is talking about how you know he was the nutmeg goat I mean not an actual goat because a goat <laughs> couldn't nutmeg but like a you know the goat and then he just his face just <laughs> collapses in laughter and then it goes to O'Shea laughing and he's saying yeah Space John what a script though what a script ah, yeah. laughing. I mean just because O'Shea is actually unlikely for a lot of that stuff anyway yeah the awkwardness of it all I just I only hope and I pretty much tweeted as much that Louis Figo comes across it and thinks it's real this is like well, I mean Louis Figo you can catch it, you can catch him going shopping for uh, for watches with Robbie Keane I know but I, I hope I hope they he, meet people occasionally they do I hope he watches it and thinks jeez I never know that O'Shea went off the rails like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean Figo's probably heard about this all the time people living off the reflected glory of some meeting with him yes you know this is, this is just another level up anyway all that came from Simply because I haven't seen you in a while, which I haven't. But I was just, it was on my mind. I did see you earlier. I was surprised. I wasn't expecting you to. It's appear. rare, by the way, online. It's just had universal. Ah, that's very good, which is nice, you know. Until until now, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what's going on in the world mm. is that Manchester City are two 0 up on the night against Real Madrid. After 56 minutes, they are three one up on aggregate, and this has been an absolute. Annihilation, a masterclass Manchester City performance, like will be remembered, not least if they go on to win the Champions League as a kind of a signature statement performance, which encapsulates the many, many reasons that they are so, so good. Like the stats, certainly from the first half at that stage, Man City had well over 70% possession. There was um, a stat which popped up after about 35 minutes where City had 237 passes and Real Madrid had 45 yeah. passes. Yeah, it was and it wasn't just a case of, you know, in the first leg, there was a pattern of Madrid in their shape, relatively comfortable, Valverde dropping into the back four, making it a five, and City very much on the outside of their uh, defensive wall. This has been anything but City just started the game at such a pace, moving the ball uh, with real tempo. Uh, interchange of positions, Stones coming into midfield. Stones is a big one for me, yeah. Yeah, Grealish really on song, but not getting involved in a personal war with Carvajal and creating all sorts of pockets and then exploiting those pockets. And so creating 
regular openings and chances and uh, when you see if you're out and about and you haven't seen it when you see the first goal both of them scored by Bernardo Silva that is just a, a case in point of City pulling Real Madrid players here there and everywhere Camavinga comes out because he feels he has to and Kroos ends up going back with Silva and then wrong side of Silva and of course De Bruyne spots that straight away passes played through and Silva doesn't rush the finish he's such a good player and that's goal number one goal number two <clears throat> Valverde loses Gundogan and again yeah. it's I, I think it's just because they're having to exert such a level of concentration and, and physicality that you know they just can't keep track of everything going on and so Valverde loses him and, and Gundogan gets on the end of a pass again from Grealish releasing the ball at the right time and the ball uh, breaks in the air after a Gundogan shot is blocked to Silva and it's just such a again akin to his first finish it's a great header like it's a great header you could underestimate the header and aside from a cross an amazing must be said cross shot where the ball didn't spin at all the slow motion of it is gorgeous off the crossbar and a Rodrigo pass with just too much on it for Benzema two moments out of nothing Apart from those two moments, like yeah, there was C- a, City are looking around each other, saying, "God, we uh, we have much tougher Premier League games week to week." It was all in that five minute window. There was the other one where Vinicius, uh, there was a triple to Vinicius and Kyle Walker with his recovery speed came and, and took him. Whereas I think, uh, you know, most other defenders in the world would have been done. That would have been a goal. What you think? Vinicius had a, at least four or five yards on him, and Kyle Walker seemed to make it up in about ten. Yeah, minutes. he's just like he is incredible. Like in terms of that that recovery speed is 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 his calling card. Never. He never, you know some players really look like they're sprinting I'm sprinting like when Haaland sprints <laughs> it's the whole like, thing is moving yeah. yeah Walker you're like not struck by his body his body language doesn't suggest he's ever straining but he must have been moving very fast to catch Vinicius oh no he was I know Vinicius probably would have people may not have seen this but he probably paused a little bit Vinicius just to try and get control of the ball so it wasn't quite like a you know a, a full sprint but I mean Walker just he just covered it in his and that's the thing you like probably got to watch him watch him a good bit with England and watch him against Mbappe um, in the big game in, in December in Qatar and I mean it was a great battle between them but they actually it was such a good battle between them that they never really actually had that moment it was only once they really went at it and you kind of realised Walker is incredible yeah. in that in that context but that was it like that was that five minute spell where Madrid I mean people would say about Madrid I think it was a Mark Lawrence said at the weekend you know they 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 can do nothing and then they can score twice against you in five minutes and like that was actually the spell where if Madrid score we 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 sort of that's the story that we write and that's the story that we craft it's like well there you go you know you dominate them for this long and they just kill you that was a one nil and then um, yeah Bernardo Silva goes and scores and you feel that no this is they're not going to do it they're not going to do it tonight I mean I think you had a couple of points you mentioned the Stones thing for me. Uh, I was sort of watching him a couple of times you're trying to figure where, where, is he, where is he playing is he playing in midfield again here you know he's, he's all over the place in terms of do you'd like to see the heat map for his touches in the first half because that seemed to be reflective of their confidence and the second one and the funny one is Haaland had two big chances and missed them and people probably talked about oh there was you know oh, good great saves, saves. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. He did one particularly brilliant save and, and one maybe he, he could do better but again we're probably expecting well, what's, what's the difference between this year and last year well they'll have Haaland to take these chances and now of course his presence as naturally has a massive impact on the game and probably cre- creates other movements for other players so it's not it's a bit simplistic to say oh well, he didn't score but they won anyway but it's still it's still sort of interesting that he has been the one who you know he, 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 he kills teams in games like this but it actually really has been the team 
it has been the collective yeah. as opposed Probably. to like being a story of one or two players it, this has more so been everyone Grealish looks like he's just really enjoying the stage now as well um, he belongs in it yeah so good yeah. so silky joy to watch he's killing them so it's an annihilation at the moment 2-0 3-1 on aggregate 60 minutes on the clock is where we are our football show coverage is brought to you by Sky Catch the biggest live Premier League games every weekend on Sky Sports uh, Damien Duff by all accounts was in uh, very good form with the press we are going to take a very short break Dan's going to fill us in in just a moment Now you are welcome back so Damien Duff seemed to be in uh, flying form this week with the media they play uh, St. Pat's Shelburne that is on Friday night so he was uh, talking to the media at large he was also speaking to Stephen Doyle and uh, we'll play you some of that now. They are unbeaten since March, by the way. They're fifth in the league. They beat Sligo 3-0 last week. And so there's a snippet of the chat here. Full podcast waiting for you. Stephen's League of Ireland podcast is waiting for you. But uh, Duff was talking to him about Shell's good form and also his friendship with Brian Kerr as well. Have a listen. I'm sure there's more to go, but we're still trying to play the same as we did last season. Uh, yeah, yeah. You bring in new coaching ideas along the way and, and what have you. Uh, that's what we're here for. But um, it's all about keeping the ball, I guess. And uh, Rovers are seen as, I guess, a very attacking team because they can keep the ball and they're really good at it. They're the best team I've seen. Uh, whereas we probably, you know, at the minute, saw shells are where defensive or are defensive. Um but we're not set up to, to play defensively. Um, the lads know that. I tell them all that all the time and if you come and watch us work and any day of the week it's all about attacking patterns and how to break teams down so I know we've been kind of tarnished with that brush or we sit in and we uh, just defend our goal we don't that's not the plan sometimes it happens organically again to reference Rovers we play against them a few weeks back they're so good that you just end up defending for 80-90 minutes so um, oh. We still want to play the same way. Uh, we want to dominate games and we'll keep working hard to do so. Rovers are a good example, actually, because Damien and Stephen Bradley started out there. You know, he did struggle for the first while to try and get his team playing the way he wanted them to play. And, and we see them now with this box midfield and they play it so, so well. And I was actually speaking to Richie Tell for this week's podcast as well. And he was saying that, you know, when teams are, I suppose, pressed high up on that box, they've got defenders who can pass through the lines and get the ball over the top. Is it going to take a while for teams to f- figure out how to, you know, get the better of this Rovers team? Do you think it is possible? That's what everyone has to aim for. Um, you know, this Rovers team squad that we're talking about, they're the best players in the country. They're the best squad in the country. They're the biggest budget in the country. Um, so inevitably, like I just said, you go play them. Um, they're going to have an awful lot of the ball and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. So, um, oh, fair play. Brad has done a great job. Um, but we're in a totally different journey to Rovers you know we inherited a team that was in Europe and had a big bloody budget at the time whereas uh, we've come in here and we were newly promoted from Division 1 so we're taking a totally different journey uh, to what happened at Chamac Rovers and we're going to do it our way I guess What's the story with Sean Boyd Damien could we see him back playing again soon? Yeah he's uh, he's back training with Gav Malloy so I know there's a transfer window coming up, but uh, having them two back would be similar to getting two big signings in the door. So uh, they've been a big loss. The lads have done amazing without them. It'd be great to have them back available and fighting for a spot in the in the team again because competition is is paramount. Uh, big issue we had last season. There wasn't 
competition for places. The squad wasn't strong enough. Uh, there was many injuries, and the team knew they was more or less what it would be on a on a match night. Whereas this season, that's what we wanted to do: build the squads. Hopefully, when these players come back, um, it brings lads' games to another level because you know you need competition in life. Yeah, do you need a big target man though as well? And like, if is there maybe something that's you're looking at as well in the transfer windows? Maybe bringing in someone else as a as a backup or competition to Sean because I kind of get the feeling as well that the way the way your team plays that you kind of do need that target man sometimes for trying to get the ball to stick up up the other end of the field. Again, you know, Sean, yeah, you might go a bit longer at times. It's the profile that he is as a player. He occupies centre backs. Um, in the same time, listen, Sean's been out and we all love Sean, but Jack's done absolutely amazing. Uh, Ev played up there a couple of games. Evan Caffrey, mm. he's a midfielder. He's done amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great to have him back. Uh, a big target man, I think you call him. I think Sean wouldn't be happy with that. Um, I still you're you're right, again. yeah. Sorry, he's got great feet as well, in fairness to him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not a case where Sean Boyd's playing and we're going to go direct. Um, it's nice to have that option that I think all teams should have. But uh, I still want to play the same way when Sean is fit and in our team and a team adapting to uh, us and how we want to play. It's not, you know, the rest of us adapting to what people might think we want to play. Sean, he's six foot four, he's a beast. Let's just throw it long top of his head. So now we will still want to, you know, build a game and keep the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're facing back-to-back Dublin derby matches next, Damien. St. Patrick's Athletic first this weekend at Talca Park. I probably don't have to remind you, you've conceded nine goals against them in your last three meetings, but I have a feeling you won't be as poor as against them this weekend. In my head there, the game match are week minus one from the cup final. The lads might, know, might as well have not turned up. Uh, all they were thinking about was... Derry and their suits and Lansdowne Road. So uh, we lost 4-0. But like I said, should have sent myself and the rest of the staff out to play. Um, the game obviously here before that, a 4-4 humdinger, probably game of the season. A game we should have won. But yeah, you're right. Conceding four goals. How can you win any game? Uh, so like I've said many times, we can talk about, you know, attacking stuff and the pretty stuff, but you have to be defensively solid. And that's what I've tried to do from minute one in here the help of the staff. It's one of the many reasons I brought Joey O'Brien is in. Uh, great defensive mind. Helps me set up the team. So, uh, of course, to win games, you can't bloody concede. So, uh, that's the plan. Keep things tight and then, yeah, rely on your players up the top end of the pitch with that bit of X factor to maybe nick you some. And then finally, they are missing lads. I'm not sure if you're aware, you're, you probably are. They're missing lads at the back, especially Joe Redmond, the key player for them. They had two teenagers last night starting against Shamrock Rovers and Gravosti, who's only back from injury as well. So how do you take advantage of that situation? Just by playing our normal game. Um, I know everybody, we all harp on about budgets and maybe injuries in this league, but I'm not absolutely here. Joe's a great guy and I wish him well and I hope he's back soon. But, you know, I've no sympathy for these big clubs. Oh, I'm missing A, B, C or D. I've missed big, big players uh, for the majority of this season and I've never uh, complained about it once. So it's just about adapting and the lads that are in the squads, maybe on the bench that haven't been playing, uh, standing up and taking the shirts. That's what happens with us. And I'm sure Pats have so much quality in, in their squads. Um, you know, young Noah Lewis can come in. Uh, Sam Curtis, what an amazing player he is. So they have 
a lot of bloody quality in their in their squad. So yeah, fortunate for Pats, Joe, great personality, great captain. Uh wish him well, but there's an awful lot of quality to, to come in and replace him. Do you ever get any um any text messages from uh, the great Brian Kerr before these games trying to wind you up now? <laughs> No, he uh, he actually told me off last year. I was suspended um, in Richmond Park, and I was upset beside him in the in the uh, director's box. He told me off at half time. He is like my second dad, so I didn't get into it with him. But he called me in no uncertain terms to quiet down and behave myself. So uh, ah, I love him. He's a legend, yeah. a legend of the game. Contrary to what Jason McAteer says, he's a he's a god in Irish football. And uh, I love him. There you go. Duffer talking to Stephen Doyle on our LOI Match Day Extra podcast. Available in full and uh, well worth the download on the OTV Football podcast stream. A god. And I love him. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that that game he refers to uh, where he was suspended and he was in the director's box. I mean, it was it was fairly box office in the director's box that night. I mean, it got pretty fraught between... The, the bench and the sideline so um, I know Tim Clancy has since left St. Pat's and he would have been maybe a big part of it but um, there is no love lost between these clubs and it's it's boiled over on several occasions so I would say as much as Brian Kerr and Damien Duff have a great relationship I would say there was a, a severity in the tone I would say on that evening because it was uh, it was pretty uh, pretty feisty Erling Haaland's just missed uh, one on one and it would have been one of the great goals um, beautiful just can't score this lad Haaland can he just can't do it in the Champions League. How many chances does this boy need? <laughs> yeah. Gundogan, take a bow, son, and all that. He's just brilliant play. He's got uh, Militao for company and he hits a back heel, think it's a nutmeg, comes to Haaland. He's never 100% balanced, Haaland, but does get the shot away and Courtois gets enough on it to deflect it off the crossbar and out for a corner. So it's still City in firm control of the game. 3-1 on aggregate. And we should mention as well, Coventry 1-0 up away to Middlesbrough as Luton Town uh, look on. So 1-0 to Coventry on aggregate mm. in the Championship playoff, which is... Luton-Coventry would be quite the uh, quite the pair-up. Glamour tie. Yeah. Well, it would be a glamour tie if, you, if, you, if you've been frozen like Mel Gibson and Forever Young and come back from 19... <sighs> what a reference. Yeah, you just come back. That's that's what you'd expect. Forever young. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, so I've got like three movie references in oh me, and that's my one. Good. So I did see uh, even on your own um, paper's website that Damien Duff, and I think the headline was that do they think we're cavemen? Oh yeah. It was uh, pretty much your most read story in the sports uh, section. So Duff was holding court to the media at large, and uh, just while we were listening to Stephen's chat there, you were saying he was an incredible form. So maybe start with the caveman point and then give yeah, it a Yeah, because he did make the point at the end of uh, of our chat. Uh, by the way, lads, we are playing on Pats on Friday. So I'm glad that Sivo actually in this press engagement has, has managed to ask Duff some questions about the match. And in, in a way, actually, it's actually, it's maybe for people to hear like how into it Duff is, which you would expect, right? He's, a, he's an all-in type of person. He's workaholic. But he's, he's completely obsessed with it and he'll pick up any reference to any squad and team or whatever. Um, but generally with Duff, he, he hasn't done a huge amount of media other than after games since he's been in the job. He's only actually done really like three um, pre-match press conferences where it's away from a match day environment and it's a bit of a sit-down. And naturally the nature of... Uh, 
who it is, you tend to try and bring the discussion to other places. And um, he tends to invite it. There was a context to this um, where he was speaking about, so you mentioned they won 3-0 in Sligo last week and, and Jack Moylan, uh, one of their star players, scored a hat-trick. Jack Moylan's 21 is a very good player and, and Duff basically said, listen, there's people coming to watch him, there's interest in him. Um, and from that, he, he, he invited himself. He's like, but we don't have any clauses at this club which has been a big talk about around the league in the last year a lot of players leaving on the cheap a lot of agents looking for you know uh, our player will sign a new contract with you um, as we watch another goal from Man City our, our player will sign a new contract but you, know, you have to let him go for 50 grand if a club comes in with him okay. and the agents are sort of holding clubs to ransom um, and Duff was speaking about how um, well you know agents could go and do one Basically, uh, we don't have that. Our policy here is this. Uh, our players, we know they'll go eventually, they'll go to the right club. But he was spun from that into the disrespect that exists um, from English clubs towards Irish clubs. Deroy's re-offers, but he also pointed out that they've had players on loan from clubs in England. And he was talking about how like, there's a sports scientist at one club in England like rang, rang their sports scientist and sort of said something along the lines of, uh, do you have GPS uh, vests over there like do you know how they how they work and you know Dove's point was you know do they just think we're cavemen over here that we don't have technology and his point is that these players he has are getting top class coaching um, elite level coaching even if the backdrop isn't always pretty which is maybe a bit of a spin off debate that we went into um, but that was the context for it but it's been it's you know he, he, he always says he doesn't like doing it yet he just gives a lot more um, and like that topical that clause issue has been going around knocking around the place for the last year or so um, and you know should there be a collective stance and blah 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 and like Duff just inviting the fact that Shells which wasn't known actually have completely said no and they've had some good young players sign contracts and I've probably assumed oh I'd say there's probably a bit of agent clauses going on there and Duff has said no that's not the case and if, and if an agent tries to stop them from signing the player he says I'll just go to the player directly and say we're not going to stop getting your way okay. but we're not doing these clauses okay uh, Militao on goal by the way so it was a free kick and uh, hit Militao stuck mm. his knee up and into the net so 4-1 on aggregate City's um, dominance knows I didn't think we would be able to take our eyes off this game I know, you know and it's sort of it's, 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 it, I mean it's been amazing but there's a li- little sense of an anticlimax about uh, that it's not not the epic of last year you're not sort of it's watching the last 10 minutes going I need to see every minute yeah, of this keeping yeah. with the Champions League knockout stages they've been bad yeah really bad that's very true so it, the gist there is the agents go to the League of Ireland club and say you get this player but there is a clause that says if English club offers derisory 50 grand yeah. he has to go Countless um, players have been lost to this, yeah. Okay, and so Shelburne are standing up and saying, we're not taking that anymore. Are Shelburne alone in standing up? No, I think Bowes have stopped doing it now after okay. being done. And I think a couple of clubs have stopped uh, agreeing to these clauses now. Because if but, all the clubs get together and agree not to... Yeah, but the only them. the only point is, and, and, and someone has made this point today, because like, when Duff speaks again, just because the weight of his voice, like, it, it just, it just it's, it's, a, it's a topic that's very internalised it's a big talk about within the league circles but Duff obviously just saying it just gives it a platform that brings it to a, like a yeah. wider audience and hence we're talking about it here um, but to be fair it's been pointed out yes what you'll find now is that people might not agree to clauses mm-hmm. but the players might still sign 
or be offered shorter contracts and that was part of Dove's argument like well Shamrock Rovers and Derry can offer three and a half year contracts or whatever you know three year contracts other clubs are still doing it shorter term so yes you don't have a clause but you might have a player's contract that's up and and yes if they're a younger player you'd be due X amount of compensation um, but that's the other way around it that, that players agents would say well, we won't sign a clause okay well, no clauses that's fine but he won't sign a three year deal okay. and in some cases clubs won't offer that three year deal what else was he talking about? So then we spun out from that into because uh, the under seventeens were playing today. Um, unfortunately, it went badly for them in the in the European Championships. And I suppose you remember when Duff came in when he was appointed as Shelburne manager. One of his big things was about how the GAA facilities are miles better than anything here. Um, and he was speaking about the under seventeen team. It's a very topical age group because. Um, after the championships all these players would be staying at home and traditionally this is the age when they would mostly leave um, and we just got talking about that general area um, but within that point he just spoke about how well listen people talk about maybe emu- these te- this team emulating Brian Kerr's team for 25 years ago he was just saying this I know for a fact that I would have played more football then than any of these boys are playing now um, this is his big thing teams don't train enough here in his view there's not enough full time coaches at uh, academy level um, you know there might be in his view now I think some clubs would do more sessions than he would say but still his general point is you might have teams training three times a week four times a week and in England it might be seven eight times a week at this age and this is a real concern we have like this team they struggle today against Poland but they are a talented team they're actually quite a young team uh, quite a few of them are going to be eligible next year but the bigger problem is that um, if they want to do like regular training development training it's very hard for them to do it here some will be are good enough to be integrated into first teams but they're training with men which is great if you're Evan Ferguson and Gavin Bazuna we've had examples that are ready for this Mason Melia who played today came off the bench for some pats last Friday he's 15 now he's meant to be a very 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 talented player um, and there's a lot of good words about him Opposition. B- but he's a striker but um, embarrassment to riches now we don't need any more strikers uh, like, well this is the thing but the, the problem is that he, he like, for him to probably advance he needs to probably be in with the first team all of the time there's no like, full time under 17 or under 19 team for him to develop with alongside players his age and this is a problem uh, and Duff's point was he, he, was, he actually uh, sort of referred indirectly to the betting tax stuff which has been going on in recent weeks and the issue around funding for football here and he said I know people have been fighting for this and talking about this but his argument is you know people say to me would you do the training ground or do Talca Park him and Joey O'Brien talk about this as assistant and he said for me it's training ground over Talca every time yes it would be nice for people to have nicer facilities to watch the game in but he said for development we need to do our training grounds like that's if I got the 10 million that's what I'd be doing uh, to create a full time development environment because what's there at the moment for our players just isn't good enough it isn't sufficient and I'm not going to overanalyze one result today because that's that's not fair um, and in some ways the the problem age is actually the next 18 months or so for those players anyway um, but it, like again there is a broader discussion taking place at the moment around funding there's infrastructure FEI are presenting an infrastructure plan this month with a view to trying to get some better funding from government and like football needs to sort of amplify itself and, and find its voice and Duff was saying his own son plays GEA they were down in Kilcool and Wicklow last week um, and he said he reckons Kilcool have a better training ground or facility than, than any club in the country here and these are the clubs that are developing our top talents now that's a problem and um, I think you know 
people in the league have been saying that for years but the fact that it's one of Irish football's most recognisable names um, saying it um, it feels like it carries further and drives home that message um, maybe you should just do a gig every week instead of three times in two years and just ram it down people's throats but there is um, mm. there's a benefit to that Training Grand Stadium was an interesting one mm. Obviously, you'd like to do both. I'm still sort of, I'm not 100% sure, I have to admit. I, I think... Um, I would tend to think stadium is more important in terms of bringing more and more people and therefore more and more money into the league on a sustainable basis. And one could lead to the other. I, I think I, well, I think what's happening, and without bogging people down into the details here at the moment, that they're in the process probably of categorising a lot of the academies in the country. Is it realistic to get 20, 25, 30... Uh, if you expand to say some of the women's teams who don't have a handful of them that don't have a men's side but I guess are you going to have 2025 top class facilities in the country no but I think they're categorising it that clubs who are actually committed to youth development they'll go a little bit further they might might therefore qualify for a little bit more funding and it might be a case that you have four, six, eight good training facilities for top clubs who are willing to do a little bit more in that regard but I do agree like I mean the product in Tala on Monday night for example it's very good but the appearance really really helps and um, there's a bit of a revival in the league at the moment which is great um, but to continue that momentum uh, we need better facilities but we, we need too much I mean that's part of the problem here I, I can't argue with his opinion um, because we need that too and um, I mean it's like it is very much it's at our door now our control over youth development and it's true that the environment for a lot of players with a handful of exceptions just isn't good enough for them to get better and um, however they might find it difficult against the very top teams in Europe when they're 16 um, it's going to be a lot harder at 18 and that's actually the real the real concern Still 3-0 City De Bruyne off big bear hug from Pep we did it Kevin we whooped him and uh plucky underdog Phil Foden thrown on see if you can handle the yeah, pressure there, it's, the, it's the romance of that city story again isn't it but um, yeah. I mean again the ability to just take De Bruyne off I mean Pep after the first goal I don't know if you saw it he did a sort of a he was celebrating you can see a lip reading he was doing a big let's go who's he always talking to is it his family in the crowd As he always that, turns to the same that's been before wasn't it wasn't there one particular game where people thought he was like shouting at a cloud like he was particularly angry but he was pointing out that no he was he was speaking He's speaking to someone. He's like a tennis player at Wimbledon. He always yeah, the same, it's a good, it's a good same comparison. Spot. He's always. But he was doing the let's go. It's like a Fabrizio Romano thing or something. Did you say like, Vamos? No, he's just like let's go, oh. let's go. It's generally what happens when a transfer is happening, you know, on the internet now. But um, he was very much. He was trying to after five or six minutes. Like I know you were, you were in here, so I'm not sure if you saw. No, I saw it all. Oh yeah, they won. They won a corner. Yeah, and he was doing the whole like you know sort of stirring the crowd and trying to get them going they're a crowd that needs stirring you know they probably do it's not it's like again it's like it's part of the brilliance of the team it's not, it's not like people are talking about you know the Eddie had on this night as like it's like Anfield on a European no, night the empty had but in saying that like they have an amazing home record so there's clearly something in it mm-hmm. even if it's not something that stirs the sort of senses of the neutral well 86 minutes on the clock 3-0 so it's going to be an Inter Milan Manchester City final and uh, as we were saying last night with um, Gav Cooney there's a fair old chance City are going to win the league at the canter and win their two finals en route to the treble pretty comfortably and then I don't know I think 
that kind of dominance will prompt a real re-examination of how they've reached this point, i.e. the giant asterisks lots of people have beside their league title, at least. Mm. So that's going to be fun. Well, that would be, uh, <laughs> I have to say, the, the, the discourse on that will be enjoyable. Uh, uh, can't wait for that. Yeah, we'll take a short break. Football Show is brought to you by Sky. Catch the biggest live Premier League games every weekend on Sky Sports. Football on Off The Ball With Sky All the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports This is News Talk Welcome back uh, Still Coventry 1-0 up away to Middlesbrough So 1-0 on aggregate 87 minutes on the clock And still Manchester City 3 Real Madrid 0 4-1 on Aggregates, so it's going to be City against Inter in the Champions League final 2023, Istanbul. Erling Haaland going off to uh, stand innovation. If he could just take a chance, you know. Yeah, resting but players. I mean, this is the ultimate. Yeah, yeah it's a strange night, Haaland. I think he'll be disappointed. But yeah, I think he... How will he be feeling going home? Like, why did I not score at least one, if not two? Yeah. Just um, to follow up, a final thought on, I guess, Damien Duff, because you were saying that the point he made about investing in training grounds came off the back of the I guess the rumblings over the last number of weeks the FAI making their case to government and pointing out that frankly all of this money from uh, the betting levy is going to the greyhound and horse racing industry to the tune of 20 billion uh, well I know it's, it's been 1.5 billion over 20 years Sorry, that's um, slightly different 20 billion be a lot um, so this came from your uh, story. First question, who leaked you the document? <laughs> What's your next question? Can I guess on air or? Do you want to do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're a bit emboldened now, aren't you? No, at all. Just, uh, so, well, I read it as, and I don't know which in a difficult position. Is it relevant? Um... Do, do you normally in the Sunday paper review like go through all the stories and go I wonder where that I wonder where that came from yeah. what do you think the journalist is on I might ponder would you out. <laughs> well it's not is it sacrosanct it is well I mean that's generally how it works Joe not always you might have like found it in a dustbin outside when you were scavenging <laughs> well I mean that's what I do I mean the, the bins go out tonight <laughs> my favourite time of the week um, so but it is part of the FAI's effort to say to government we are chronically underfunded. And here's another example of, of why, I guess. So can you, for anyone who's kind of late to this, a city are about to score, and they do score. Fourth. Oh, my God, it's annihilation. 5-1 aggregate, 4-0. Like they've just beaten Real Madrid 4-0 in a semi-final. Yeah, Alvarez. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, they cut them open there. It's embarrassing. No, no, like, I mean, it, it has been very good. I know you could talk about Madrid being very old. And that, they, like, that would become the, the narrative of it now. Oh, I mean, they've, they've, they're This done. has been coming. Modric is done. Years. But then, like, Modric, you'll see him again in six months' time, like, controlling some game. It's kind yeah. of what people have been predicting almost last year. Yeah. You know. The fact that they did it last year and then went on and won it, it's just like, I mean, that is obviously potentially a factor. But it's also just a city or, uh, you know explosively good for, um, but anyway sorry back to my point so you had this big exclusive and for people who don't follow the news cycle in granular detail because yeah. frankly you know life's too short um, it was debated certainly that day in the Oireachtas and my memory of the day is Leo Varadkar giving it short enough shrift Shrug. yeah, and, and pretty much saying like you know let's not pitch 
these great industry, this great industry again. You know, we don't put sports football, against each other in this country, kind of stuff, apart from yeah. when you're applying for grants, obviously. Yes, and and you know, value for money and what a great industry in this country it is, kind of thing. So that was like the the twenty four hours, I suppose, or the initial yeah. the day of you publishing that story. Did it go anywhere in any great way subsequently? Yeah, like I mean, I think it's probably generated a debate, um, and it's probably a lot of people, you know put their spoken in the period of time that followed maybe, maybe that's, that's just other media um, but then it would have been I mean, Catherine Murphy's been asking a fair few questions in the doll it was Adon Reardon who who asked for Adker about it and he's continued to make a little bit of noise about it um, Catherine Murphy has asked a couple of questions because the Department of Agriculture who again have oversight over this fund um, one of the top civil servants there was in the following week and faced some questions and Catherine Murphy has put questions in as well to finance and this is a bit of a tangled web because again people would take issue uh, in the horse and greyhound racing world with the uh, inference that this betting levy money goes directly to horse and greyhound racing what we are now told is that that was the case until 2009 since then um, there hasn't been uh, a direct link between the two apart from the fact that loads of people have said it at various times that I mean there's a if there's not an uh, is it an explicit relationship it's sort of implicit that um, the funding for for horse and greyhound racing is driven and it's it's everywhere it's been said by the Minister of Agriculture at various times the HRI Horse Race Ireland produced a report in 2017 by Deloitte which spoke about the imp- economic benefit it provides to society and within that it actually says you know we're partly funding you know, the, the, the 1% betting tax as it was at the time feeds into this fund right so a lot of wordplay has been used to wriggle out the debate and it's almost been a waste of time debating that because it's just it's disingenuous um, so it's true what was confirmed really uh, by by this civil servant is that while um, it may not be strictly going from A to B, the policy picture that informs the decision to give this amount of money to horse and greyhound racing is informed by betting levy income. What is now known is that betting levy income in this country uh, used to be dominated by horse and greyhound racing, but betting on football is huge now and will continue to be and is going to get bigger in years to come. Um, because the profit margins in football are better. Um, and the FEI's case is, well, uh, this is public funds that are being spent. Um, and, you know, football, there's a lot of bets we generate on football, but also football, uh, the sports funding picture in Ireland is pretty bleak. Um, football has a lot of societal benefits. Um, and, you know, can we have a piece of this potentially? And I mean, ultimately, it is about, about making that argument, um, but also probably raising awareness, which some people were not aware of the extent of funding that goes on horse and greyhound racing. Naturally, we've started talking about horse racing there. The greyhound racing argument is possibly even more interesting yeah. because it's a much smaller industry, less successful, uh, had a lot of bad headlines in recent years. People talk about the FEI. Um, you talk about greyhound racing as well in that context, but they're still at the moment getting around 18 million a year from the state. Um, and in fact, their funding was increased uh, two years ago because on a pro rata basis, because there was more money for horse racing because of COVID relief, yes. greyhound racing got a, uh, a Brucey bonus, That's even the, though uh, the take up on, on, on greyhound betting in this country is, and from speaking to people, it's tiny. And if people say, well, a lot of people in this country, they're betting on football in England, they're not betting on football in Ireland, uh, in greyhound racing, it's exactly the same yeah it has the good fortune to be benchmarked and interlinked with horse racing so rising tide is lifting both boats there so all of that made sense it sounds like the government though are pretty much like nah this is going nowhere well my information probably around this and again like you know 
you know, why I, I didn't feel it was a waste of time to go down this road is the sense that I think privately, and I've, I mean, I've heard this even within the racing world, people would acknowledge that this is a sort of an unusual arrangement that was created 20 years ago yeah. that wouldn't, wouldn't be palatable if it was presented now as a concept. Um, and I think privately probably people in government would feel, and I, I get that sense, and I mean, the FAI like, do have people on their board who are like civil servants. I don't think they're, they'd be taking a mad, like, you know, mad punt here, pardon the pun, um, if they didn't have some belief that it might be worth submitting this report and getting the discussion going. And there was a story at the weekend that Mark Ty had it that Catherine Martin um, even raised getting a share of the betting tax for other sports last year. It was knocked back. Um, but the, the point is, um, I think that people probably in, in government might privately admit, yeah, you might right to maybe ask a couple of questions here, but publicly they're reluctant to do so because, right. well, horse racing and greyhound racing, are, again, they're synonymous with the uh, the rural economy, you know, jobs in parts of the country and look how the Irish political system works. Sinn Féin have been very quiet on this, for example, because they've got a chance of getting elected. And um, they probably don't want to be, um, and this is just me, um, speculating it's just my opinion um, but I suppose um, Sinn Féin probably don't want to be portrayed in parts of the country that wouldn't be traditional Sinn Féin hotbeds as someone who could be portrayed as well they're not going to they're going to they're, they're making moves that might affect our rural jobs in horse racing and greyhound racing um, and it, you find a lot of the language in the Dahl record is linked in with well in my constituency Tipperary horse racing is this and in my constituency Wexford well the Greyhound you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and that's how Ireland works yeah. I mean it's Dublin politicians making a bit of noise about the football right you can you can make that um, allegation but the fact is that a situation has been created a quirky one 20 years ago that has facilitated large funding to these um, to horse and greyhound racing horse racing is, is clearly successful and it's not necessarily about uh, taking money from them to give to someone else. It's more raising awareness of, well, uh, the betting levy has been used as justification uh, for funding this. Imagine what we could do over here when it could be argued that, yes, the economic metric return is, is uh, you know, may not be as high as horse racing, but there's obviously health benefits and social benefits. And if you're talking about the spending of public funds, you know, my point on this would be if, if you go solely on economic metric, why don't we just build a big casino big state casino you know I mean that would deliver lots of money I'm sure you know the Gozark you know have some big casino pl- plucked in there but but clearly people as public money would, would have a little bit of concern around that but now it's like it's driven back on your face well the economic benefit of one is this I think football has a case to make about the economic benefit that it provides and not just in terms of um, you know the health benefits and stuff I mean there actually are there's a lot of you know business generated by football too like people talk about the horse racing funding on the basis of all horse related activities not just horse racing but like breeding whatever you know thinking about people out there might be coming home from playing Astro or five aside and those halls are rented at a price at a cost you know the gear everything by that same that may sound completely flimsy and ridiculous but that same criteria is actually used for measuring the funding of, of horse racing so football I don't think they're, they're, they are wrong to make their case um, and it might just be that this makes their case and they get increased funding for plans in the long run and it's not linked to the betting tax but you know maybe in a way it is Okay Very well summed up Texting saying Come on Dan who leaked you the dock? 
<laughs> that's actually just you. You've just typed out yourself. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're out of time. Where would you build the casino as a matter of interest? Which county would uh, you? Well, I mean, put it in Tipperary. Yeah. They're, they're, they all seem to be very vocal on the, these uh, debates. And Coolmore, apparently, in Tipperary. You might have heard of them. A modest family business. Uh, we are pretty much out of time so it's gone full time Joyous Scenes actually full time at the Etihad they're really celebrating it in a big way uh, City have cruised through and it is you know very much cruised through to another Champions League final 97 minutes on the clock and counting Coventry still hanging on 1-0 away to Middlesbrough OTBAM coming at you tomorrow morning Jaron Shane in the hot seat so Eric Donovan will be on talking Katie Taylor Graham Hunter will be uh, reflecting on City's dominance against Real Madrid and Derek McNamara talking Leinster La Rochelle Dan Mike thanks to you no worries and Tom Dunn is on the way 